Listen, let's get one thing straight. Guns don't kill people. I do. Channel 62 has the lowest ratings in the history of television. What they need is a new station manager. No, not him. Forget it. No way. A man of action. <laughs> a man of courage. A man of vision. What's your name? Billy. Billy what? What they get is a man so desperate, he'll put anyone on the air. Hey, Stanley. Yeah, George? How would you like your own TV show? Okay. You get the drink from the fire hose! Okay, you ready? Yeah! Open wide! He's Conan, the librarian. Today, we're teaching poodles how to fly. We beat up the networks. George Newman, he starts where the others stop. We're the number one station in town. Ah! Orion Pictures presents Weird Al Yankovic in UHF, the movie. Welcome back, everybody, to a brand new episode of Reconcinimation. I'm your host, John Diner. I'm David Munchak. I'm Brent Hutchins. And this is the podcast that takes a look back at some of our favorite films from the 70s, 80s, and 90s. And our sizzling summer of sensational cinematic shenanigans continues. We've had uh, we've had a hell of a lot of fun uh, this summer. We've already had One Crazy Summer. We've had Megaforce. We've had Ooh. Hard Ticket to Hawaii. Ooh. It's nothing but fun around here. And we are going to bring in, we're going to welcome a true cultural legend to the show this week. That's right. It's Weird Al Yankovic and UHF. Oh, awesome. I'm excited. <laughs> Saw this one in the theater, guys. Yeah, so did I. L long overdue to get Weird Al involved. And uh, and in order to do that, we, yes, we needed one more very special guest to return. It's been just just a few months, but that's a few months too long. Welcome back, Joe Senna from It Happened One Year. Thanks right. for having me, guys. I uh, I didn't expect the call so soon. I thought I had burned out all my goodwill on Noises Off. <laughs> no way. Are you kidding? Boy, he just kept talking about musicals. <laughs> we need that, you back. We do. We need more musical talk. <laughs> well, let's get into it. Yeah. We uh, Yeah, Joe, you joined us uh, earlier this year for, for a double feature, really. Big Trouble in Little China and Noises Off back to back. That's the ultimate yeah. lineup right there. Yeah. Yeah. No, it was a, it was a, it was a hectic week. I didn't sleep. So, and now I've just been standing staring at the phone since then. <laughs> what did I do wrong? It's right. Like the minute we get done recording, the phone's probably going to ring again for, for the next one. For so. next week. Yeah. 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 So we're setting up the lineup for next season. So be prepared. Yeah. A lot of heated discussions happening. There's a lot of things getting thrown at each other when we're, we're going over the 2024 lineup. So you can hear that animosity on some of the episodes. Yeah, there's a lot of anger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, Weird Al, it's, uh, you know, I, I hadn't thought of UHF in quite some time. And watching it, watching it back this time, I just started thinking about all the like crazy out there comedians of, you know, of our childhood through the, I guess some of them started probably in the late 70s, 
but got really big in the 80s and then kind of disappeared or some of them passed away. But Gallagher, uh, Sam Kinison, you know, Roseanne obviously started around then and, and got huge. Andrew Dice Clay. I'm going to throw Paul a Poundstone out there. Mm, yeah. You know, mm-hmm. what, what do you guys, did you guys like any of those, you know, real kind of, I mean, these guys were very different than your standard, like your Seinfelds and your Tim Allens and, you know, those kind of guys. What, what do you think about that group? I got uh, thoughts. I got thoughts on that group, but go ahead, David. You no, well, I, I'll, I'll ease you into it. Uh, as a child, I may not have understood a lot of that stuff, but I was very amused by sort of the, uh, that it wasn't standard comedy stand-up kind of stuff. So Gallagher was interesting. Carrot Top was interesting. And Paula Poundstone was very uh, more traditional in a lot of ways, but but funny and weird, and and I loved her. And uh, and then Weird Al, just comedy sketches. I, I got to know him on MTV yep. and on the radio. Um, and, you know, he, my very first tape was a uh, cassette tape was a weird L, uh, even worse. So really, uh, yeah, it was first, first thing I ever bought with my own money music wise, <laughs> Nice. Uh, was, <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and, uh, I don't know. So there was always a draw because I may not have understood it, but it wasn't like the normal, but it wasn't because it was offbeat. It's just like, I don't know. It's, I think it's just amusing for a kid. I don't know at that time. Yeah, for sure. I, I would uh, I would say what person wouldn't love to see, uh, you know, uh, a, a guy with a bald fro crushing watermelons with a sledgehammer. Uh, I think Gallagher, for whatever reason, is the guy that sticks out the most in my head is like kind of that zany comedian guy because he was absolutely bonkers on stage and he would try and really his biggest. I mean, I don't know that he did actual comedy other than just trying to crush things with with his uh with his sledgehammer, but it worked. And for whatever reason, I remember him being, I feel like on TV every night when I was going to bed, like in the, in the late eighties. And so I don't know if he was just making his rounds on all the different late night talk shows, or if he was on like an infomercial for a hammer, I have no idea, (laughs) but he was always on TV. And I feel like that's what like kind of blossomed into, I mean, for other like I'm glad you mentioned Carrot Top because I feel like Carrot Top started to pop up around that same time with a lot of props and and things like that. But I mean, those guys I thought were hilarious. I didn't get to see Sam Kennison too much. I mean, I think he was probably just a little bit older than me. Some like older than than played older than I would have I would have seen at the time. But like retrospectively, like I've seen some of his stuff and that dude was hilarious. Um, Bill Hicks, another one that is just yeah. like, I mean, that guy was a real like comic genius uh, on a, on a bunch of different levels that he's another one that like, I completely missed at the time, but uh, have since, you know, there's been just a number of like Netflix specials and other specials that have come out on Bill Hicks kind of giving homage to like his comic prowess and like what he did to open the door for other stand-up comedians and stuff like that. So that's that kind of stuff I found I find even still today super interesting and 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 stuff like that. And so yeah, I think all those guys kind of paving the way for for a dude like Weird Al who I I you know David touched on it, but I very much feel like is kind of a product of that MTV generation and being able to take advantage of like music television right at the perfect opportunity and having like kind of a perspective on it that was different than anything else. And it really like 
I mean, it worked, you know, I mean, he, uh, is, he still makes music today. Mm -hmm. Decades just crushing it. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. And you it's can't funny. Stop Weird Al. You can't no. Stop him. So it's funny, like in, in, um, in season one of our show, we did 1994. And so we needed a backbone for an episode. So we took the headline news song that he made and just did that. Cause that song's from 94. And like those news stories were 94. It was like Tanya Harding and, and, mm -hmm. um, uh, Joey, uh, not Joey, but a Foucault, um, Lorena Bobbitt, Lorena Bobbitt. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so we, we kind of structured it off of that. But the funny thing is that me and Sarah are like four years apart and my weird Al stuff is 80 stuff and her weird Al stuff is 90 stuff. And we just have, and, it, and the thing is that he was around and he was so popular for so long that like, that's possible, right? Like his, like just output in the things and like, but the songs she'll reference are not songs I really listen to. Cause I think of weird Al as something I listened to when I was a little kid, right? Like yeah. I had even worse and I had like weird Al's greatest hits or something yeah. on tape. Like that was, <laughs> that was that thing. But, um, but yeah, I didn't really think of it in terms of like the other kind of, like off kilter comedians of that time, you know, like, you know, cause there's a lot of straightforward stand up around that time, but like, like carrot top or like Rita Rudner had such a specific delivery that was so peculiar that like, I always thought that was real funny. You know, Paula Poundstone was sort of that way. Um, but I was inappropriately into Andrew Dice Clay when I was Dice. And yeah. oh my God, like when I was like <laughs> was 10 huge. years old, my God, like Dice Dice Rules was just like, I yeah. watched Dice Rules so many times and it's <laughs> like, I was 10. Like I didn't understand yeah. most of what's being talked about, but like for a know, whole, I, I was so into it and it's gross. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. For, a, for a whole summer, Adventures in Ford Fairlane was like yeah. me, and, me and my buddy Andy's like favorite movie. We watched it constantly. Yeah. You know? And it's yeah. like, what? Looking at it now, you're like, what the hell? No, none of that holds up. Like it's so it's it's such a thing of its time that I think that it's almost like, you know, a stand up that like gets too popular too quick and then everybody loves them for a year and they disappear. And like so like Dice is like Dane Cook, but from 1990. Right. <laughs> yeah. Even though he had been around like that was it. He hits his peak and then that's yep. and then everybody afterwards is like that was I don't even know if that was funny. You know, By the but, time 93 rolled around, Andrew Dice Clay was like long gone gone yeah. Yeah. yeah and but like there was a couple people like that like you know kinnison again is a little too adult well he, but yeah, like, he i remember was, i knew him from we used to as a family we used to listen to the howard stern show <laughs> family family, <laughs> yeah, family entertainment time. yeah and he was on that all the time he was like a regular guest on there and he was yeah i mean he was all about being yelling and the vulgar and you know definitely yeah. not for kids but unless you're me I think I like remember Kinnison on an episode of Married with Children. Is that familiar? He it was like a, an, it's a was. It, and, and it's a Wonderful Life type thing or something. And like mm -hmm. I remember that, uh, and then I was like, oh yeah. right. And so then like I think I would watch, you know, if I saw him come up. But when he was in but, Back to School, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, but it it did seem like he was not like Dice, where Dice was clearly so shocking and so vulgar, but it was still like a little too much for like you know, I'm trying to, you know, get into comedy brain at this age, you know, right. where again, and like Weird Al, I think of as something I listened to when I was a kid. And then I just kind of gave up on it for a long time. You know, it was just, and then it's only later that I've come back around to it. So, um, so this was probably the second time I've watched UHF in the last mm -hmm. three or four years, but I hadn't seen it since, since it came out. Since yeah. Then. Mm. Yeah. Hickory, dickory duck. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Dice. Oh my God. <laughs> But out of all those names, too, like Weird Al, 
it's still funny. Like when you watch those videos and you listen to those songs, like they're still, it holds up now. I mean, it's comedy that sort of, a lot of it is, you know, I, I, I want to say it's timeless. It is relevant to the, I mean, it's so specific about what he's spoofing. So it's funnier if you get that joke, but it's also funny without it. Yeah. Yeah. Like my kids watched it and thought it was hilarious. The videos? Yeah. Yeah. Some of the, yeah. Some of the music videos. Yeah. Yeah. Because I was thinking watching UHF, like, could anybody younger watch this and understand any of the references now? Like, there, I mean, some of them obviously are like Indiana Jones and popular stuff, but there's a lot of stuff in there that is just of the 80s. Yeah. But yeah. I wonder if you need that for it to be funny or not, you know? I think for UHF specifically, probably it would be difficult to to have younger kids or audiences relate to it. But I think as far as his music is concerned, you know, not not speaking of UHF, but like, I mean, because a lot of the songs that he spoofs are popular songs that I think still even get play in, in a lot of ways. You know, like if you've heard that original song and you hear his spoof, like you're going to you're going to get it right. So. Like a surgeon those, is just funny. Like a surgeon, you know, any of the Michael Jackson stuff yeah. is is what? funny, you know. I mean my Bologna. My yeah. Bologna. Bologna. Yep. <laughs> like yeah. why not? Just sing a lot of songs about food with this guy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. But but it's easy. It's fun. It's silly. Uh what I was uh what was I gonna say? The yeah, the music videos are interesting. I think of there are elements of UHF because it's essentially like a sketch show at certain points where, you know, the fake the commercials that run that aren't in his imagination but mm-hmm. are just part of and uh, you know, you know, <laughs> spatula town and uh, yeah. you know, the, that was the, my favorite, I think. The, the funeral home. <laughs> yeah, the spatula town was like a really long commercial yeah. and really yeah. like involved. And then like, you know, you're tired of cheap funerals and you just have body parts coming out of the ground like <laughs> Like that's that's just funny stuff, and I you know it's like kind of like Bugs Bunny cartoons. Like as a child growing up on Bugs Bunny cartoons that were from twenty, thirty years prior, twenty years prior, thirty years prior, I didn't necessarily understand all the things that were either being spoofed or referenced. Um, not that it was like uh, it's not like Bugs Bunny stuff was like pulse of the pulse of the nation kind of topical humor, but there are reference, you know, just sort of c- cultural references that. You, I'm, I wouldn't have been familiar with first um, that, you know, you sort of get to understand later. And um, so I think it's kind of like that. Like you can kind of appreciate this, where it's the silliness and then you can find the layers later. If you, if you look back on it um, with this kind of thing. Yeah. And I think with uh, we're going to kind of come back around to the weird, the Al Yankovic story uh, that came out in 2022 or was it 20, 21, 22? 22, I think. Yeah. yeah 22, um, I think. You know, because I think that really brought his popularity back and brought some much needed attention back on, on Weird Al in a really good way. And that movie is kind of insane in its own way. So we'll come I mean, back. That, we'll I circle that, back. To that. that movie definitely spawned the conversation that got us talking about wanting to do UHF. Exactly. So, yeah. Thank you, for David sure. Munchak, for uh, hey. <laughs> pushing that on us. Yeah, I was a little curious, like who was the big UHF fan to get it was to, it was do it on the show. Here, here's the thing. Here's the thing. I never saw this movie from start to finish until this podcast. <laughs> so wait, so you did not see it in the theater? Oh goodness, no, goodness, no! I wow. didn't see it. I just happened to I missed it. You know, uh, but I was a Weird Al fan at the time. But it just wasn't. I probably 
I don't think I could get my family to take me, like my siblings or my parents. They weren't going to take me. So, well, um, so, so who did see it in the theater? I saw it in the theater for sure in, with I like four the other people. Yeah, I Friends saw it with my, I didn't with see my the family. When Joe, when was the first time you did see it? I saw it. I think it was on. I feel like it was on TV a lot when I was a kid. So I'm, yeah. I'm pretty sure I saw it shortly after that. But um, I don't, I don't even really. I don't really remember it in theaters. I kind of just, it seemed like it was there and it was gone. There's, there's a reason. There's a reason, big reason for that. So. Yeah, I don't, I don't really, I never thought of this as much of a theater movie. Like, yeah. you know, but I didn't, uh, I, I probably saw it in bits and pieces sort of from in the following years. And then, um, and then, yeah, I didn't see it again for a long time. Yeah. Well, I mean, for all of Weird Al's popularity, because I mean, he was huge. He was one of those, faces that you saw on MTV regularly and these videos yeah. were got a lot of airtime and I mean just the year before even worse came out which was I mean I mean I that album was like my favorite album <laughs> you know like <laughs> like I had that thing on repeat like constantly the yeah. fact that nobody else was as into it is just dawning on me now like I'm like <laughs> I'm like wait people didn't go see this movie because that that album like led right into this movie and i was just like who's who's not gonna see this yeah yeah apparently everybody <laughs> but it was it's interesting that for how popular he was we'll get into the the making of the movie in a minute but like this movie gets made and it gets dropped in the summer of 1989 which is full of huge movies all summer long it was yeah. so huge. We actually did a podcast on the summer of 89. You can dig it out of the archives at reconsidimation.com. But uh, I mean, you had Batman, you had Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, you had Lethal Weapon 2. It's just like one thing after another after another. And UHF is this little comedy that gets dropped right in the middle of all that and gets just completely overshadowed. You know, um, it, it I don't think it was really a reflection on the movie itself. It was just the timing of it that that's a movie you hold till September. Yeah. Then you drop it there or you, yeah. you know, pull it or hold it till the next like March or April. Like you don't put that in the summer. So it was definitely um, a victim of, I think, bad, uh, bad programming there. And, and yeah. And like, uh, like there's so many people that saw it, you know, either in the theater or saw it within the first couple of years after, and then the movie vanishes and no one seems to have seen it till like, within the last five or six years <laughs> it's like it disappeared it's like it, it got uh the finger snap the marvel uh, <laughs> and it was gone and then it's back but it snap. is weird right because weird al was really popular in the 90s like he i don't know if there's really a big period of time where you could say he didn't have some like big song like he was between, always around yeah. it was yeah, yeah like i mean from like smells like nirvana and amish paradise and yoda yeah. and it just all kept going and like it's weird that he would be that that there wouldn't have been an interest around that time. Like, but I don't know really what the backstory to this movie was like, were there big rights issues with it? Cause I mean, there's so much stuff in there. It almost feels like a, that could have home video type problems, but yeah, I, I think it was an know. ownership. It was an ownership issue. Like, like a lot of movies and from some of these companies that disappeared, you know, that got absorbed by other companies and then who owns the rights? Well, it's foreign companies that actually own the rights. It was just like, Orion that distributed it. So yeah. then these movies vanish until somebody works it out or somebody pulls together enough money 
and now MGM owns it or whoever. And then, <laughs> right. then it pops back up in a library. So, yeah. But um, yeah, well, okay. Well, let's, let's give a little, uh, you know, before we do the background on Weird Al, let's just talk about the title for a second. What is, does any, like, is, is a modern audience even going to understand what UHF means? <laughs> probably not. No, yeah, probably not. Not as much. Not with, not with it's everything streaming and, and, yeah. you know, like, I mean, they still, UHF is still used to, to, to broadcast digital, uh, signals, you know, like for, mm-hmm. like, if you have an antenna, like you can pick up, uh, broadcasts, but no one's doing that. Like who, yeah. who's, who's using the antenna, right? I mean, uh, UH, I, I have that. Well, John, you, are, you yeah. are a, an extremely special <laughs> case and I'm not surprised that you are rocking the old bunny, <laughs> bunny ears, but, uh, and in LA, you get a lot of weird local channels. <laughs> yeah. I bet you do. <laughs> that's all I'll say. I'll bet you do. But I mean, that's the thing. Like UHF is like, basically, you know, historically it was used for, for broadcasting different radio frequencies. Those were typically higher uh, channels. There was all, there was kind of a earlier than that was even VHF, which was, uh, you know, stands for very high frequency. UHF stands for ultra high frequency. Complicated. Yeah. They're just (laughs) all this jargon. So you're saying it's it's very, very, very or ultra. ultra. (laughs) Yeah. So um, I'll take the supreme high frequency. (laughs) Yeah. Not SHF, not SHF. Which yeah. is which is a real bandwidth, and it's uh, su- and yeah. that's that's super high frequency, super high frequency, exactly. <laughs> but it's all just a bandwidth thing, and it was like there were certain channels that were that were kind of allocated for those different frequencies. And TV started with VHF. There were about you know fourteen different channels that you could use at VHF, and then when television shows and broadcast companies started wanting to make more television channels they had to expand to uhf and and that was kind of like the new age was uhf so like the newer you know like your your classic top three like the big three would have been vhf so that's like your abc nbc cbs but then when fox rolled into town it was uhf you know like it was the new kid in town and and all that stuff but nowadays no nobody's gonna really care or know about that unless they're looking into it but you know, everything is streaming. Those things don't really exist anymore unless you live in John's house. Yeah. Uh, you know, so. So, so UHF that, and Wayne's title, World would have been UHF. Wayne's World would have been like a UHF channel, right? Yeah. Yep. Yep. So any higher, any higher uh, number channel would have been anything higher than I think channel like. Uh, you're going to catch me lying, but I think it's like 14, 16, something like that. Anything higher than channel like 16 or whatever would have been uh, UHF. I remember on my grandfather's TV, there was like the two knobs. It was the the VHF that was like two through whatever. And then UHF had like 60 different like channels on it. And I I was always, I'm like, I don't know what that one is. I'm I'm not touching that one. (laughs) Right. Well, and I mean, even getting into like more like granularity, like antenna, like antenna locations. Like so back in the 70s, when you had those big antennas on top of your house, that was because the way that VHF is broadcast and like how it can be received versus UHF can penetrate through 
things and houses easier. So that's when you started getting more of the like the rabbit ears and the antennas on top of the mm-hmm. TVs and things like that. And that's why like shit like wrapping your antenna in, in aluminum foil became a thing <laughs> to try and pick up better reception. Cut to my living room. it's all antennas one three inch screen a lot of aluminum foil just (laughs) yeah piece after piece john's rocking our old tube tv yeah why not (laughs) i love all these guys on on instagram who like have rebuilt like their ultimate like 80s basement oh yeah with all that stuff like all the you know old tube tvs and betamax things and laser discs and it's a beautiful image. <laughs> yeah. I, I work with a few people that have similar things like that. And it's all like set dressed in the background for any time you're on uh, a video call of some sort. And I'm just like, where are you calling me from? Man? <laughs> and invite me over. <laughs> yeah. All right. So now that we've got our, our VHF and our UHF and our, our SHF all straightened out, let, let's get back to Weird Al and you know, let's talk about his background and kind of where he came from and how he got on everybody's uh, got in the spotlight. He uh, Weird Al grew up in Linwood, California. Uh, he started playing his accordion at seven years old back in 1966. And uh, his parents, uh, unlike the movie we're going to talk about later on, uh, his actual parents were very encouraging and, and wanted him to like revolutionize rock and and really pushed him uh with his accordion <laughs> like revolutionize it via the accordion which is <laughs> how else are you going to change rock and roll yeah it's got to be the accordion <laughs> with some polka as like you're you know the stones are huge and jimi hendrix and all that like yeah get an accordion in there mixing it up yeah it's oompa time <laughs> did anyone accordion. did anyone grow up where there would be accordions like we there was there was like a we had a we had we had a is it a polish festival joe where did did screen have like a polish festival or yeah there was it was uh, um i'm talking about like a ukrainian festival is that something because it's almost the same area yeah i think that yeah i think like west side might have had something like that or yeah yeah i think i think over at saint anne's too they they had like a a, when they had the picnic they had like a they had a polka band every night of this, like, you know, the community picnic and stuff like that. So there was, cause there's a big, pol- a lot of pole, a lot of Polacks in Scranton, and, well, I think, uh, but there's a lot of, and I think Ukrainian. out that way, like between to get into Scranton geography out by West, like West side to where you used to live, like out by Taylor, like that was the real like Polish area. Yeah. So I yeah. think that and that's where St. Anne's was. So I think there was a lot of like festivals and stuff there, but, but downtown yeah. there was a Ukrainian church by the library or something. And I think they used to have a festival. Yeah. And so, yeah. So maybe you're right. Like it was, you know, there was a lot of Irish people. So like, if you could carve away from that and the same and all the St. Patrick's day stuff, this right. was the other thing. Yeah. At the Italian festival at a certain point. Right, so, Italian you know, there festival. were a lot of culture celebrated in, uh, in Scranton. So, I mean, I've seen a lot of accordion performance live. Uh, have you, I'm just, and just really quick, have, have any of you like experienced that? Like, honestly? No. Well, no. I, I experienced it when I saw Weird Al in concert in New Mexico Ooh, in 98. Sick. There we go. Yeah. Nice. That's the only time. How did I so, miss that? I, what? I you were not there. It was uh, it was some of our other uh, Santa Fe uh, loonies that uh, got together, and it was I think it was a last minute like, hey, we're going to see Weird Al in Albuquerque. You want to come? Okay. Uh, you know, it's, red. 
It's funny, uh, and I, I don't know if I talked about this on the other show or what, but when remember a couple years ago, like on Facebook or somewhere, there was a thing where people would post, like, I've seen these 10 bands, but one of them's a lie. And that's when I learned that everyone I know has seen Weird Al in concert. <laughs> like, oh, and I was, really? I was amazed. Like, everybody's seen Weird Al. Not but I've me. Never, I've never seen him either. Like, and I, <laughs> I, mean, yeah. I feel like I'm really missed out. I'm the yeah. only one here. Oh yeah. my god! It's so much fun. It was yeah. so much fun. Oh, I bet that uh, yeah. uh, we'll put uh, that. That has to go on the uh, the bucket list. Got to do that. Must I do. Think, I think yeah. part of the reason I was excited because at the time I had like just rediscovered Transformers the movie. Oh, it makes total sense. Dare to be stupid <laughs> is in that, and that's oh, is it? Yeah, yeah. Oh, Weird Al's got a song on the soundtrack. When so. a bunch of Transformers are getting murdered by yep. uh, <laughs> <laughs> Dare to be stupid is like the action sequence. Oh it's my the, god! It's the background of its huge action sequence. It's pretty cool. I yeah. haven't seen oh, Transformers the movie since I saw it in theaters. When well, I was guess what? Six or whatever. Well, guess what? is it coming? Com- Check You're your back down. pocket. Oh no! <laughs> Wait, <laughs> Megatron. <laughs> 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 oh my god how did you pull off this magic trick? <laughs> i think uh, so i think for me the only time i had ever my i think honestly the my introduction to polka was uh maybe john candy's character in some movie <laughs> in home alone plays oh, yeah home yeah. alone where the polka king yeah from from scranton that's exactly <laughs> or in scranton yeah yeah so that's that's all that's funny. Yeah, no, no polka or accordions where I grew up. Huh. It's, I don't at all. It's an experience. I don't, I don't think I ever knew anybody who played an accordion. My uh, right, my brother in law right. has a has a, a concertina. I think that's as close as it got. Because huh. um, it's you know just a mini accordion, but that's about it. And I don't think I've ever seen him play it. So you know, bust it out then next holiday season. Next time I'm there, I'm gonna, I'm gonna challenge him. So <laughs> get that squeeze box out. <laughs> Well, while he's while Weird Al is learning the accordion, he's uh, also super obsessed with comedy and spoofs, and he's listening to the Doctor Demento radio show. He's reading Mad Magazine. He's really into George Carlin, who's getting who's really on the rise in the late '60s and gets really huge in the '70s. Um, Doctor Demento ended up speaking at Yankovic's high school, and uh, Weird Al was able to meet him and gives him a, a demo that with a song called Belvedere Cruisin'. And that's the song that Dr. Demento, he liked it and aired it on his show. And that's kind of one thing led to another. And that's what kicked off Weird Al's career. Um, and then, of course, comes my sh- my uh, my Bologna. You say Bologna or Bologna? I always say Bologna. I always say Bologna, but I think the song is Bologna, right? Yeah, my Bologna. Yeah. Spoofing my Sharona. Yeah. And then that song gets him his first record contract with Capitol Records. And that song's uh, genius, yeah, it is. It's so amazing. And then uh, he does another one, rides the bus, and that starts getting him appearances on late night and and other TV appearances. He goes on tour in 1981, where he meets Jay Levy, who will become his manager. Jay Levy, of course, is the director of UHF, who also makes a uh, an maybe appearance. an outdated appearance in the movie. But <laughs> we'll get to that. Uh, he puts his band together in, in 1982 and, and puts out I Love Rocky Road and Ricky in 1983. And then he's on the road full time. MTV's coming up. Uh, Weird Al Yankovic in 3D. That's his second album. Uh, comes out in 84. Eat It is a huge music video. That's uh, in the very early days of MTV. He does a mockumentary called The Complete. He does a, a mockumentary in a book, and it's The Complete Al and 
the book is The Authorized Owl. So he's already doing movies about himself. And, and uh, that was directed also by Jay Levy. Uh, he's he's opening for the, I guess the monkeys uh, reunited and I barely remembered that that they had gotten back together in the mid '80s and he was the opening act for them. Uh, and then, you know, so all this is like all happening at once. He's getting huge on TV. His records are doing great. He's touring all over. And why not do a movie? 1989 well, rolls around and it's time to get to, on the the uh, silver screen. Time to do an original work with a lot of parody in it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a it's a showcase for for parody and and just zany sketch kind of. Right? Absolutely, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I had that same kind of vibe as like a Kentucky Fried movie, and you know, like those kind of wacky mm-hmm. sort of out there, even kind of airplane a bit. Yeah, yeah. yeah. More spoof. I mean, airplane doesn't have spoof sequences, but the same kind of comedic tone. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I was uh, like watching the opening and it, the Indiana Jones opening. And it's like, it's very Zuckery. Like, you know, yeah. Loved it. it I loved that. Lo- that was such fun. Yeah. I think that was what, I, that was probably what got me to the theater was that, Oh, like, Oh, spoofing Indiana Jones. Like we were what I was eight or nine. And, and, yeah. uh, and that Rambo, that was like yeah. why I love Muppet babies. Yeah. The Rambo scene. Yeah. Oh, with all the Star Wars stuff and Muppet Babies. Yeah, yeah. the Star Wars and yeah. Indiana Jones stuff. Yeah, yeah. but uh, yeah, the Rambo spoof, great, great stuff. Yeah, yeah. I forgot a lot about, I forgot about a lot of those yeah. uh, until rewatching it. Yeah, but even yeah. even with that, like it was hard to get funding for this movie. Um, you know, they have to, they end up having to do it for a really low budget. Um, Cinecorp is the company that that wants to produce it but orion pictures will only uh finance the movie if they cap the budget at five million dollars so which is you know was more than but that's still not a lot of money for you know everything i think he wanted to do here it's weird i think that this kind of movie only exists around that time right because i don't think that you really see like it gets into the 90s a little bit but it it seems like it's such a style of the era and i don't really know why that is if it's just that there's become so much self-referential pop culture type comedy after that that like they don't need to make sketch movies anymore but you know you think from like the kentucky fried movie onward how many of those there are good ones and then also yeah. terrible ones but like yeah. there's so much of it that like even watching this i was kind of like it kind of reminds me of you know the groove tube and it kind of reminds oh the groove me of, tube oh my yeah, god like, yeah like but all yep. kinds of st- like like and they but a varying quality amazon women on the moon is sort of like that um and then the, i this reminded me of i had this i used to have this terrible movie on laserdisc just because like when i had a laserdisc player it was so much after the fact that you're just anything you can get on laserdisc you buy and it was a movie called when nature calls and i think the cover <laughs> is like like a gone with the wind thing, but it's like a woman kissing a bear or something. And it was just awful. Like just, but like, but I owned that for years. I might still have that, like, you know, but like that was that same sort of thing. It's just a bunch of parodies and, you know, and at least the UHF thing, it does hold together as a story in sort of more of an airplane way. Yeah. But, but it's odd that like you really, I, unless I, I just have a blind spot to it, but I really don't see that being done anymore. You know? No, it's not done. Like, I mean, and, 
there was an appetite for it, at least for the few years afterwards, because it's not long after this that we get Hot Shots in 91 and Hot Shots Part Dieu in 93. Right. And those are huge hits. Yeah. And did I mean, very similar kind of spoofing. Right. And then, like, I think Leslie Nielsen has a run of, of real knockoff versions of that. Like, what, Spy Hard? Was that a movie? Spy and, Hard was right. definitely a movie. And um, uh, Wrongfully Accused yep, was, like, a fugitive. It. And, like, so, like, there's a bunch. Of, but, like, it's then it's really kind of, like, there's nothing left. And we're just, we're going down the, you know, one person still wants to do it. So, we're you know, and that's about it. Yeah. It but, all focused on Leslie Nielsen after after the Naked Gun movies, you know. Right. Just, Loaded Weapon that. 1. Loaded Weapon yeah. oh, <laughs> 1. What about, Love that what about like, uh. <laughs> Scary movie and things like that. I feel like those yeah. were a little later, later Our, on. That, that is the thousands. thousands. Yeah. 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 Well, that was like, you had a lot of spoofs with, with the return after scream and the return of the teen movie. Yeah. Like not another, also, teen not another teen movie. movie. Yeah. Yep. Those kind yeah. of things. Yeah. That's true. That's true. But it seems even that it seems like that's almost like a singular franchise, right? Like scary yeah. movie and not another teen movie. They all kind of, and then like, I think there are really, low knockoff versions of those too right isn't there like a mm-hmm. oh god i couldn't tell you what action movie and just like any and they're just like we're just gonna pile together a bunch of references to stuff yeah. if you if you if yeah if you go down the well long enough like you'll see not another superhero movie and it's right. like a bunch yeah. of like marvel and dc ish looking characters but it's like there's no way this was released in theaters like but they right. but they right. churn out a bunch of those like and there, there's a there's a there's a lot <laughs> yeah and so they must just you know make them cheap and and the idea of like, you know, getting it on a, a, a you know, streaming service and, yeah. you know, I don't know, just, just, uh, trying to make your buck, a couple of bucks back. Right. But so, I mean, it's like, they're always being made. And then I guess, I think it's just sort of like, it, it didn't really get hot again until scary movie. I mean, that, that first scary movie made a that ton a of hit. money. Yep. Like, yeah. It was huge. And it's really funny. Like there was a lot of great names attached and, and the fact that it was like from the Waynes is doing it and like. It was just like the a refreshing over take. from the Zuckers, right? right. Like, right. don't be a menace to South Central. Yeah. Well, and, yeah. Oh, no, and, that, and that was great. And that was what, 10 years, 10, 12 years before a uh, scary movie, I want to say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Don't be a menace. Yeah. And uh, anyway, so I mean, like, there's always been comedy movies, but they all fly under the radar because it is sort of this like a rehash of things. And right. like, and if they're sketch based, sort of like, it's not really a movie. So people don't want to sit and watch a bunch of sketches. It's like they're watching a TV show or something. It, right. it kind of, but even if there's like a loose connected plot. So, uh, yeah. I mean, we like them, <laughs> it seems, yeah. but I don't know. Yeah. General audiences. I don't know. That's, a, but I don't know. I'll, I don't know how much we're going to get into this. So I didn't want to jump the gun on it, but like, that's why I almost don't know if UHF is a movie, like, or if it actually works at all. Like I enjoy it, but I do feel like fundamentally there's something wrong. And I don't know if it's, because it tries to have a plot or would it have been better served to just be the Kentucky fried movie? Like to right. just go all the way with that. So. Yeah. It's interesting. It, I mean, cause there is a very, you know, it's a very light plot. I mean, it's almost like the plot is very similar to Caddyshack. D- David, you yeah. want to run through the plot real quick? Sure. Yeah. Um, so UHF was written by Weird Al Yankovic, Jay Levy, and Charles Holloway, and directed by Jay Levy, as we've stated. It's about an aimless but imaginative young man named George who suddenly finds himself running a local TV station. And parodies of action movies, daytime talk shows, local TV commercials, and music videos explode from George's mind and fill the airwaves. And when the janitor, Stanley, becomes the most popular entertainer on TV, a cruel 
rival station manager stops at nothing to shut it all down. Nailed it. You nailed it. Oh. 10 out of 10. <laughs> I didn't what mention mean? his girlfriend, but that's okay. That's true. We'll, that's we're, we're coming around to it. <laughs> yeah, there's, I, I mean, so there is an inner cut with all that is all these, you know, there, some of it is imaginary or a lot of it is like imaginary and just thoughts in his head. You know, it starts mm-hmm. off with the Indiana Jones spoof, which, which is like a few minutes long, like yeah, it's the yeah. whole opening credits and then some, but um yeah so i don't know i'm kind of mixed about it that i don't know if i would prefer this to just be a series of spoofs or or if you know should they have expanded the plot more and really kind of leaned into that i don't know i I think it probably works better just the spoofs i mean you know that that was the only thing watching is i just i couldn't i really like stanley spadowski like i think michael richards is so great in this movie but is that because you only, you know, he's only Kramer. So it's kind of like seeing him do anything else. That's really fun is, is nostalgic. You know, yeah. I don't know. Like, but, but that's why I'm like watching it. That's what I, th- I kept thinking. I was like, this plot just doesn't matter. Like, and it's so like, should they've just gone all in on the sketches? Like, I don't, I don't think it matters, but I kind of like it as a, as a yeah. guide through from spoof to spoof. Cause I think it keeps like a through line that is like, if you grew up in that era, like it makes sense, right? Like if you remember like Howdy Doody and like those old like kids like shows where there was the goofy host or whatever, you know, like like that character makes sense and seeing his success makes sense. And then like the telethon and all that stuff, like I remember, you know, like the PBS telethons every year and like all the stuff that was going on with them. And so like, I don't know that it necessarily holds up or that it's really needed but like i feel like it's a it's an interesting device to help us get to all the like kind of fun spoofy stuff like i don't know if the over the top like evil conglomerate tv guy is necessary and all all that stuff but i guess you know like you got to have an antagonist so mm-hmm. you know he makes as much sense as anybody else would in that in that world you know so to me it doesn't really bother me all that all that much but i do think that the you know like the the prize of all of it is are the are just the spoofs and and what he's able to do with that because i mean to be honest i would expect that to be what he's strongest at and what what would kind of rise above above the rest you know but i think i think it's nice having something a little bit different yeah i i prefer the sort of having this narrative framework just to to loosely keep it connected uh and it's still and it offers more opportunity for like a lot of the random humor in the in the real world of the movie that isn't isn't just a spoof or like a or tv commercial or something like that so there's still comedy happening within the story that's uh that's funny and um so yeah i think it it's probably suffers from not having the budget that that was originally needed in terms of you know they probably had to cut a a couple things that might have tightened this whole thing up who knows um, or at least made the gag, some of the gags more memorable or something of that nature. Um, so I, it's probably the victim of its own, you know, sort of, of, of its own cheapness. Um, I mean, that's interesting you say that. I was kind of wondering what would be the cause of why this wasn't as successful. And I feel like in in my head, something that sticks out is like the fact that it is very much an MTV generation movie. And I think you know, like I stated, at least for me, like being a kid at that time, you know, 80, 
eight is when even worse came out. And I think you've got kids of my age that are really into it. But I remember specifically my parents were, and they're not like super conservative parents by any means, but they were really against MTV and like the idea of like a rock music channel. Now this is obviously like they had not seen anything. They had not heard anything, but like initially when MTV came out, like there was a really big kind of like, pushback in certain areas of the country because of because of like you know this assumption that it was like a loose kind of morals and and all sorts of stuff like that uh which you know may or may not have been true but at the time like i feel like that may have had something to do with it not being successful as well it's just like the people that were really into weird al and into it were younger crowds whose parents were just not like willing to support an MTV generation product, you know, at the time. Yeah. Well, like, yeah, on MTV's the grind, you know, they didn't leave room for the Holy spirit when they're dancing together. You know what I mean? <laughs> but so, that was like... late. I mean, that was even later though. Like, well, that, yeah, like, that's like 10, that's like almost that's, 10 years. Yeah. After. yeah that's like, uh, that's like in the late nineties, you know, like uh, this is early eighties, like mid or early eighties, dude, when MTV first, popped up, you know, and granted, I grew up in, in Texas, but I mean, Houston, you know, like I wouldn't, I wouldn't have thought that it was like extremely like conservative, but, but obviously surrounded by a lot of conservative leaning, you know, groups. And so like, maybe it's just the area that I was in, but I just remember that being a thing during that time. And I'm, I'm, you know, it's something that stuck out when I was trying to think through, Hey, like, why wouldn't this have done better? Because weird Al was again, like in my perception, hugely popular at the time that this movie came out because even worse was a hugely popular album with a lot of like, you know, high level spoofs on some really popular songs at the time. So, you know, I it just kind of, I was surprised to see how, how low its success really was. I think one thing that stuck out that I didn't remember really well about this movie that I think could be part of the issue is that there's not that much music in it. And I think that that's the weird thing, right? Like it's a weird Al movie and like you've got the whole Dire Straits sequence, but even that is, it's so much just like the original video that like, I mean, yeah, there's the Beverly Hillbillies, but it doesn't, it doesn't really even seem that, new in some ways no and so the fact that the movie's all these movie parodies and you don't associate weird al with being an actor especially in 89 yeah that maybe it's just kind of that right like yeah you know i don't want to be it's like phil collins making buster but it's still like if you're not an established movie star type actor and then you're just gonna make a movie I, i just i don't know like i and again i was a big weird al fan at that time but i didn't see this movie and i was just sort of i don't know i don't know if it's just sort of you think of him as being funny, but do you think of him as being a comedian? And is that not the same thing? Do you know what yeah. I mean? On rewatching this, I absolutely think that the Dire Straits scene is the strongest piece in this. In this, it's a thing. cool sequence, and yeah. I think it's because it really leans into what he's really, really known and has repeatedly shown is he's great at. <laughs> but really, besides that, it's just the the theme song. I think over the credits, right? The we've got it all at UHF. I don't think there's yeah. any other songs in it, and Mm-mm. and I feel like I thought I remembered there being more songs in it. And not just so many movie parodies and movie references that 
aren't jokes that are just references and that you're just like the close encounters thing where it's just yep. it's funny sort of but you're like it's just just to give you a connection to something and like there's just enough of that that's not mm-hmm. a joke exactly that's not you know a uh, somehow structured into a, a comedic sequence that's just a throwaway thing and i i was just, it's it's a little distracting but it's like i get it like this is kind of what he does but it's only kind of what he does it's mm-hmm. not really his bread and butter stuff that people might associate with at the time and it's interesting that he and jay levy are the ones creative creatively driving it so it's like their own choice to move away from the music and and go more for the visual spoofing and the movie spoofing yeah so it's just it's just yeah. fascinating that like there it wasn't like a studio made them do it it wasn't like a studio was saying like no no that's you're gonna do this now that sometimes happens but <laughs> yeah <laughs> Yes, it's just fascinating. But I think it's a combination of all that. And then just being totally lost in the mix, you know, the mix of the all the other huge movies of that summer. Yeah, which yeah. there were lots, as you've already mentioned. Yeah. I've got a list and there's this. It's crazy. Yeah. Because when did this when did it come out? It was like in July, July, right? July 21st, 89. Wow. So, I mean, there's that's not even like trying to get ahead of anything that's no no you're weeks into everything big yeah. at that point yeah and those movies were i mean to this day a lot of them are classic movies that still hold up and people still love and you know people were going to see week after week after week you know they just i saw batman three times i saw last crusade three times i saw lethal weapon two twice yeah um i saw ghostbusters two ghostbusters two yeah i mean yeah. look it i think everybody can agree it's weak but like it was a huge <laughs> Huge deal. But yeah. you wanted to yeah. like it. You wanted yeah. it to be great. I was yeah. too young when Ghostbusters 1 came out. So Ghostbusters yeah. 2 was, yeah. was my movie. In that was our movie. Yeah. 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 Everybody yeah. had to see Ghostbusters 2 at least three times just to make sure it was as bad as they thought it was. <laughs> but the Bobby Brown song, that, that part's good. Yeah. Was <laughs> that my prerogative? That. Because that's... No. No. <laughs> was that I my was, prerogative? That was, that was his big song of that year. Yeah. But you know what I did what did jump out at me that watching UHF this time and this was I feel like maybe I saw it around the time I saw it in the theater then I think I saw it around 98 when we went to the concert and then not again till now but I forgot how many people are in this movie like there's the cast is huge and it's all at such a, a kind of a crucial time in some of their careers like we you know we already mentioned Michael Richards and this is months before Seinfeld Hits. just before yeah and he had had a good i think a good stand-up run up to that point and that's how how uh weird al had become friendly right. with him mm. and i mean he was on fridays like he had done some yeah. stuff but it was just yep. that you know he wasn't you know he wasn't what he would become so no no but yeah. it's just literally around the corner for him yeah. um kevin mccarthy as your, your villain in this movie just a classic actor from going back to the 50s and the original invasion of the body snatchers and always his expressions are like it's like of course i compare him to ted knight and caddyshack but i love both of them and their their white hair and their suits and their ability to make their the things their faces do or it's just so cool and he's just he's a great actor he's so big in this movie like it's like you know his because his character is such a nothing villain yeah. but man yeah. like he goes for it like, like play it up to like 15. yeah yeah <laughs> Um, and uh, the current president of the Screen Actors Guild, Fran Drescher, is in this movie. 
And uh, that's right. <laughs> and she'd already been around too for almost ten years. She's in Spinal Tap in 80, 84. and I don't think she was. She was in Doctor Detroit in the early eighties. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think that was right. the first time I saw her. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, and I the nanny. The nanny is just that a couple of years away, and that's you know she rides that all the way through the nineties and a huge career. Um, Victoria Jackson is Weird Al's girlfriend in the movie, and she was. I think she was on Saturday Night Live at the time, probably like mid-run for her. Yeah, by 89, yeah. Yeah, and I'm sure she's was maybe hoping that this was like a ticket to the next step that, you know, didn't really happen for her. No. Weird Al never... Oh, go ahead, David. I was going to say, did Weird Al ever have a presence on Saturday Night Live? Like even a, 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 an appearance, a cameo or anything back I, then? I feel like he hosted at some point in time, but... yeah. I don't just sure. think they remember it, but I mean, again, he was such a big deal. Yeah. Yeah. There's some of those, the, the late eighties, you know, a lot of that, those years kind of blend oh, right. together and many people haven't seen that. So those last, those lost five seasons, those, maybe. yeah, the, the non Lauren Michaels years. Yeah. Um, but Victoria Jackson really doesn't even get any comedy to do in this movie. Right. I and mean, she's like the straight girlfriend. Yeah. 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 It's weird. It's, it's yeah. a weird choice. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, give her, give her something. She's definitely yeah. like, she was great. She yeah. was funny. So give her, yeah. Give her something funny to do. Right. Yeah. Uh, and then you have a lot of, you know, interesting people just kind of pop up in the movie, Billy Barty and emo yeah. Phillips, <laughs> a lot of those <laughs> faces. Like I hadn't seen in a while or, or thought about in forever. Yeah. I mean, uh, Billy Barty is like, a legend right yeah. like that guy yeah. was in stuff from in the 30s like he's been yeah. around he was around you know and if you ever needed a dwarf actor he was like the guy yeah like, the guy yeah let's talk about gede watanabe the best <laughs> the best part <laughs> that of the guy movie. crushed the 80s he was <laughs> everywhere so. what i mean was he was he in was he in gung-ho did he's he in gung-ho yeah yeah starts yeah. there right that's like what 81 82 he's somewhere around there yeah. Yeah. 16 candles yeah 16 candles. oh my god yeah hilarious yeah. <laughs> and he's still around like he still does stuff because yeah. he was yeah. pretty young in the 80s so yeah yep. yeah yeah but his you know so so weird al's character in the movie is he's got he's got this tv station and he is you know bringing on he, he is bringing on all these like crazy you know characters to host their own segments and shows and and uh they're all like really distinct characters and uh but Gede Watanabe's is the one that I don't know that that, that that's the one that feels pretty racist today it's it's a little racist I yeah. mean you know <laughs> we you know actually this is the same conversation we had during uh Big Trouble in Little China uh I'm <laughs> I'm sure they don't mean to be racist. This is just the comedy of the time, but that doesn't really excuse it. Like it's still kind of racist, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. You know, like he's, yeah. you know, you know, it's a, it's a stereotype of a of of how Americans perceive, you know, or you know, English speaking Americans perceive it, and it's you know, it's funny because they sound they don't speak English like the rest of us. Ha ha ha! There's the joke, and then here's some cultural things that we don't really understand either. So. Of course, you know, so he plays a martial artist, uh, you know, he plays a sensei training people and, uh, 
and he's talking in his in his funny voice and uh in this movie and it's uh it's you know I think and I think you know it's it it's played for laughs and I guess it's funny for what it was but it's not appropriate like it's just not it's not it's not it's not actual comedy <laughs> like, right. yeah but it's know? also not real mean spirited which i think is nice. no like, it's yeah. a product of its time I right mean, it really like, was. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't... it's not a character they're punching down on like i mean i realize it, it again it's it's inappropriate but it's not it's not breakfast at tiffany's like it's not something that's so egregious and outrageous when you see it that yeah. it it spoils everything but i do think that it's a little and it's it's just that aging thing right yeah it's just yeah. comedy is sort of made for its time and, th- so. and that's the kind of characters he played in all of his movies, get right. it, right? Like, he, yeah, yeah. he, that's was his thing. So, yeah. Long Duck Dong is the same way and just yeah. in right. a better movie. It's, like, yeah, it's the same yeah. character. Right. More or less. And that has the, that, that has the same criticism that this does. That, absolutely. Would you do it that way today? Absolutely not. I mean, the people who, I'm sure if you asked Weird Al today, would he do that again? Most likely, no way, you know? Mm. He showed up in Gremlins too, as you know, like a Japanese tourist with a camera, and then he becomes the cameraman and the and the thing, like, and it's just sort of like taking another stereotype, and it's almost like there's not a lot of comedy served with that character either, mm. but it is like sort of it's 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 just, isn't it's just so strange to look back at that like today, yeah. and it's like you'd never do that, uh, even just to do, just like why would you do that? But uh, the time, I guess, yeah. So so Weird Al inherit or doesn't inherit it, but uh, his his uncle, his uncle Harvey uh, wins cha- the Channel sixty two a station in a poker game, and puts uh, Weird Al in charge of it, and that's our plot as he's trying to build some programming that suddenly all these crazy characters are are catch kind of catching fire and and everyone's watching and these shows are getting really popular and. The evil R.J. Fletcher, played by the great Kevin McCarthy, uh, is getting very upset that his viewers are leaving his fancy Channel 8 VHF station and hopping <laughs> over to the Channel That's 62 right. <laughs> ultra high frequency station. Correct. Uh, yeah. And um, and he's going to do whatever he has to do to undermine and, and get rid of Channel 62. So that's our that's our basic plot that's going on. And then all these characters, you know, Michael Richards plays, uh, we said Stanley Spadowski, who's the janitor, right? That, yeah. that has yeah. his own, I, well, what do you kind of equate that his, his show to Is that like Bozo the clown kind of thing? Kind of. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Or, um, Captain Kangaroo, something yeah, like that. Captain like, Kangaroo, yeah. you know, I think yeah. that's a good one. It's, yeah. it's, it's fascinating because that character is really charming. Michael Richards is obviously very, you know a better actor and a better just sort of comedic force in general but like the things that stanley does isn't really too much different than what george was attempting to do like but everyone just loves stanley like everyone loses their mind whereas george is boring and like you know kids are falling asleep and it's it's just this whole like he's basically a clown but but he just everyone's drawn to him and i i found that really like a real subtle like a real subtle bit like he's not yeah. much different than what george was doing what weird al was trying to do yeah. but for some reason like he just he hits way better than uh, yeah. george could it's anyway. just the energy right like it, he's yeah. so he's so hyped up and then everybody's so excited and he's just doing <laughs> dumb stuff like yeah. digging in a box of cereal for a toy and everybody's like crazy like, <laughs> yeah like yeah. this idea that like yeah that's something so kind of silly and 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 
on TV is so popular for some inexplicable reason, <laughs> right? You know, like why is this guy? It's the, we have the highest ratings ever, like of any station anywhere or something like that. It's the uh, that's the second he takes over the show, everyone in the bar is watching. Like the it's like the minute he takes over, like we yeah. gotta wait till this guy comes back. Like, yeah. yeah, yeah. But I think there's there, there's some. Oh, go ahead, David. Well, again, I don't know if that's like some sort of commentary on like Weird Al's, like you know. Well, as popular as he was, he's still not like these mainstream comedians that were, you know, getting sitcoms and 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 other and other, you know, specials and things like that. Like, I mean, again, he's a music parodist first, but like he's obviously like Weird Al was always doing something to sort of be in the comedy world. So I don't know if it's like some sort of commentary. He's just like, I can't break through. And then a bunch of idiots are, you know, and not, not like mean spirited way, but like sort of saying like other people that aren't really doing something that's too far off from me comedically you know are huge and uh i don't know if it's some meta commentary for himself um I, I think it's all in good natured fun anyway i don't i don't think he had to worry about his popularity but i think there's a lot of people that would like he i think that because parody is sort of the his basis there's just a whole contingent of people that just say well parody isn't real comedy it's not act there's no effort into that like it's just changing words and we saw that in the the weird movie it's like why would you why would you why would people pay the same price for a song with different words like or yeah. whatever though like um so i feel like maybe that's maybe that's where this character comes from is like stanley represents uh you know all the other mainstream comedians i don't know what do you think yeah that's a, that's, that's an interesting point. take yeah. yeah you really want to dig into the <laughs> to the, the, <laughs> the psychology of uh stanley spadowski yeah <laughs> yeah and they give him those big teeth, <laughs> like yeah, yeah. yeah. They, they, yeah. They, they enlarge his teeth, and uh, he, he's got he's got such a slick look. I love, uh, Stanley's really funny. Yeah, he's very Kramer Kramer esque. Yeah. yeah, you can he's see like, the, the yeah, you yeah. can see the where it, the evolution. Yeah, he's like Kramer's cousin, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, Michael Richards seems to only have you know the one speed really, but it's just it really works. But you know, I mean, his kind of you know, outside the world problems aside, like even the other stuff he does after Seinfeld just became, you know, a variation on the Kramer thing. Like, yeah, I, I don't remember, I don't remember ever seeing him do something really different. So no, I think, I feel like there was a, sh like they each got their shows, right. Except yeah. Seinfeld. When, when that ended, they all got the, the rest of them all got their own shows where they tried. I feel like they did try to do something different. And the only one who took off real, I mean, I think Jason Alexander's had a solid career and he does a lot of theater and other, you know, smaller roles, but Julia Louis Dreyfus was the only one who really like made it yeah. work with multiple shows, yeah. you know, right afterwards. So, but you can see her as the center of a show. Like even yep. something crazy like Veep, it still works. Yeah. But like Michael Richards couldn't really be the center of a show. I think is really no. the problem, you know. And and then do you just ha can like keep having him play that sidekick wild man character? Yep. And like in the little like some of his movie stuff's all right. Airheads is good. Like he he did pop up in things that's okay. But what was it? You know, just... So I married an axe murderer for like thirty seconds. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So like yeah, but that's basically it, you know. And yeah. I think it, it's that same problem with you know sitcom actors who are playing that kind of part. It's hard to then you know parlay that into something else if you're so identified and your comedy is so specific. So, right. Yeah. So, so how do we feel, you know, I, I mean, we did kind of cover it already, but how do we feel about this movie now? Did you have a good time watching it? Like, did you have, I had fun watching it. I, I like it held up. 
I my memory of it is that I loved it when it first came out. My rewatch of it in '98 was I did not love it, and then watching it this time, I had a blast with it. I just had a good time, and it wasn't it wasn't a movie that you feel, I feel like I needed to like, you know, really tear into it, you know, thematically and the cinematography of it. And it's not a, about that. I think my only sort of drawback was what we talked about that it leaned more into the movie spoofing than the music spoofing so i felt like that that was a little off but otherwise i just i just had a good time with it what about you guys i laughed a, a bunch i mean i had to see it for the first time so like everything was new not, not a, well not everything but a lot of it was new in terms of a, from a start to finish thing but uh just chuckling and, and there were moments i was laughing like an idiot like how how silly and fun and unexpected things were so I, do, I enjoy it like in uh I'll, I'll I will definitely watch this again <laughs> like at some point yeah that Rambo spoof is top notch yeah, <laughs> when yeah he just chews up the bullets is... yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> so we'd see again like four years later with uh hot shots part you yeah. yeah yeah when he just gets the handful of bullets yes yeah. <laughs> yeah. love spit, a Rambo spitting spoof. them right like, yeah 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 <laughs> yeah I mean I I like it. I I enjoy it. I think it's a fun movie. I I had a I don't know why. I just had a hard time like turning it off like and not being too critical of like the way it's laid out. Like I felt like you know, I don't think the directing is great. I think no. that there's just little editing problems like see, little bits go on too long that I think would have been tighter. Even though it's not a long movie, I just no. feel like there's a little like this would be a great 78 minute movie, which is a yeah. terrible thing to say, because it, it also feels like it could have really worked as a two hour movie. Like it just depends where you put the focus. Right. And I don't know. Like, I, I think that was really the thing is that I enjoy it and I feel bad criticizing it because I, I don't think that it's really a movie in that kind of way. Like, I don't think it 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 should be evaluated in sort of the even like even against something like Airplane, which you know, has a similar sort of comedy, but has a real barreling driving plot. Mm-hmm. Um, I think this is, this does fall a little bit more into that kind of sketch movie, you know, feel, which I, I really don't think is something that's made anymore or, or really needs to be. It's just like extended Saturday Night Live episodes. But, you know, if you hold it up against anything like the Kentucky Fried movie or the Groove Tube, it, it's it's a little fresher in ways because those are so old. But the jokes are a lot better in the Kentucky Fried movie. Like, so it's it's just hard to to kind of, you know, to really grapple with it. But I think it's an enjoyable movie. I don't know that anybody younger than us should pick it up for the first time and watch it. I just don't think you, I don't think they would like it. I, I, I would be surprised if they did. I think there's just too many old references in it. And it feels like an 80s movie. I and think. The, on the back of a lot of other movies. Yeah, yeah. I think in that regard, like, I so since Weird came out, I found I've found my fandom for for Weird Al uh, kind of reinvigorated, right? And from th- that standpoint, like going back and rewatching it now, like I enjoy it as a Weird Al fan because it's part of like his story. And I think for audiences now, like if you enjoyed Weird and you like Weird Al, like it makes sense to go back and watch this. If you don't. Don't because you're not going to like it. It's, <laughs> Definitely right? skip like it. It's, <laughs> it's not going to be good for you. You know, um, I, you know, I think again, to, to your point, Joe, like 
for people of our age, there's another element to it that you could watch it and enjoy it. And that's because you'll get like the references and the spoofs and and the things like that. They're going to hit with you a lot, a lot easier. I think at this point, we've probably seen a number of these spoofs done a couple different times. And so like, I don't know that it's going to feel super original, but you know, for me myself, I enjoyed it. Uh, I don't know that I'm going to watch it a whole bunch more. I've seen it a handful of times in my life and that's probably good enough, but I don't go back and I don't watch Kentucky fried movie over and over either. Uh, it served a kind of time in my life, you know, when I was watching it and it made sense. And I enjoyed that movie quite a bit that Amazon women from Mars, like all those, you know, kind of, kind of flicks, but like, you know, maybe not so much anymore. This is kind of in that same, in, in that same realm. Right. Like, and, and I will say that like, I, I found a new kind of peak curiosity to go back and watch it and talk about it because of, because of the, the weird movie recently, but you know, that's for me, that's kind of, you know, like it's all nice and wrapped up the, you know, the bow is on there and I think we're, we're probably good. Now I'd be totally down for another weird Al album where he's rocking some stuff, which you'll probably they, get it. I think I mean, they come out every couple of years. So, yeah, yeah. you know, like I'm ready, I'm ready for that, but yeah, he's still putting stuff out for sure. Yeah. But, but let's talk about weird. Cause that, I mean, it's really thanks to that movie that really, uh, I think did really put the spotlight back on him. And Daniel Radcliffe does an incredible job as this fake weird version of Weird Al. I mean, the plot of the movie is so insane. It's beautiful. Yeah. I can't talk about Daniel Radcliffe without gushing that that dude is like, just awesome. Like he picks awesome projects. He does like they're all unique and interesting and different and like man i don't know that dude does not get enough credit yeah. for being a, a fucking badass yeah he totally goes for it and really has you know shed that harry potter that that whole part of his career like that's yeah. a different thing and now he's doing swiss army man and the, and you know weird and uh it's really fantastic but guns akimbo i mean dude yeah. like yeah. this dude's list the jungle, if you guys haven't seen the jungle, like, man, this dude does just like project after project is just like, what? How? Dude, you're awesome. But this whole plot of of Weird is so, I mean, it's all from Weird Al. Like he's he's made this completely fake biopic of himself that <laughs> most of that did not happen or did yeah. not happen that way. If you don't know his story, like in it, for me, like watching it, I was having a really hard time, like really knowing what was true and what wasn't. I mean, some of yeah. it is like, okay, there's absolutely no way that that's what happened, but some of it I feel like is even subtle. And you're like, fuck, is that real? Is it not real? Like, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. It was all, it was fun. It was really fun. It, it, you know, the whole ba- fake backstory of his relationship with his parents, not real at all, but it's <laughs> no. so well done. Like, yeah. <laughs> he, 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 you know, yeah, he, he, he's got this draw, he's drawn to the, to, uh, the accordion and then, you know, and then he's got to hide the, the fact that he owns it. Then he goes to a polka party when he's in high school <laughs> yeah. and it's like, it's a, it, the whole, it makes sense that the, the weird movie is a 
a parody of a biopic like of a rock yeah. uh, specifically like a rock biopic like yep. the struggle of finding yourself as a musician and then trying to make it and then the conflict with your band and your and your girlfriend and your management madonna as the <laughs> madonna. yoko ono of... oh my god and i, I guess thought... they were kind of friends in real life but like no they didn't have this relationship <laughs> well i i went back to specifically see since like they were so mtv heavy at the like you know at the same time or at least with a lot of overlap but apparently they really only met once but like were uh, you know aware of each other but i could have seen them at least you know just doing mtv events or something like yeah i would but, think that they would but they're, they're running in the same circles a lot yeah yeah so it's it's funny that like she be she's this main character and like she hasn't and then and she's Madonna so evil has, <laughs> she's yeah. so, like evil in the movie uh, and she's got a patch at like the action scenes at the end or... <laughs> yeah and the fact that he's assassinated at the end by like yeah. selena like it's just a ridiculous silly movie i i loved it i've seen it three times i just yeah. i really enjoy it so the pool funny. party has to be my favorite scene where you yeah. have all the like 80s you know weird celebrities popping out and 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 all like name people playing them yeah yeah <laughs> Yeah, current people playing all these yeah. personalities. <laughs> yeah. No, I think it's I think I think the weird movie is is brilliant. Like I think it's an incredible movie. Like it's because yeah. it is like, you know, it helps if you know Weird Al stuff. It helps if you've seen some, you know, walk the lines and yep. Ray and stuff like that. But like the fact that that like the fact that they wrote that and then they were like we're gonna figure out a way to make this is just such it's so incredible because it's so strange and it's such a a wild idea to to even begin to like like did they write it with madonna in mind and then have to go and like clear it with madonna like it's just so crazy and you know i, I even like the weird structure where it starts with you know, with him clearly all all fucked up, and like he's in the hospital. It's the first thing you see, yeah, yeah. and like that's the beginning of the movie. Like yeah. it's just it's so wild, but yeah, no, I I, I think the the weird movie is incredible, and uh, and I remember at the time like distinctly saying like I know like comedy doesn't win any awards, but like Daniel Radcliffe should win an Oscar for that. Absolutely, <laughs> he's, he's incredible. Absolutely, in that movie. Yeah. yeah. And they had done it. They had done it like ten or twelve years before they'd done a short film version of it with Aaron Paul as Weird Al. Oh, that's right. <laughs> really? It was for and, Funny or Die. Yeah. Yeah, it was for Funny or Die. And uh Pat Oswalt, I, I think he was uh Dr. Demento. Hmm. Um and he was supposed to play it again, but I think he broke his leg so that he couldn't really do he wasn't up to doing the movie and uh so that's why you just see him in one, you know, one scene in the bar. Yeah. But uh, uh. Yeah, so they had done like a test run of it. And then I think, you know, it kind of was something that just kind of sat there for a while. And then I think around 2018 or 19, it came back for Weird Al that was like, maybe maybe we should do that. Maybe we should actually try to make that movie. And yeah. and they got it done. I mean, they got a lot of, lot of, <laughs> lot of, a lot of faces pop up. He, of course, plays uh, the music executive. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. Because, yes, I love it. And then uh, what is it? Uh, Will Forte's there and, yeah. says, and like looks at it and says, "Weird Al Yankovic," and just starts to insult him. And then the <laughs> yeah. exact like, oh, "Okay, easy." Yeah. <laughs> it's just like that's that's all right. Like, yeah. That doesn't matter. Yeah. Uh, 
There's, yeah, so many of like the little, just little performances. Like uh, uh, Jack Black's Wolfman Jack is is so great, <laughs> so and, great. Yeah. and he's in the movie for five minutes, but it's so amazing. Yeah, like, yeah. that's the yeah. pool party. That yeah, was... the Boogie Nights pool party is just <laughs> so wonderful. Like, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, uh, I, we were, when we were watching this, I was like, this movie is Boogie Nights. It's yeah, the right. Boogie Nights formula. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I uh, highly, highly recommend that. That's um. A fantastic movie, and and yeah, Daniel Radcliffe is just incredible. Yeah, and really, I mean, I mean, really, like Evan Rachel Wood's Madonna is incredible. Yeah. Like, it's just you know, it's just it really is like a wall to wall. Everybody has some great. Look. Thomas Lennon's be- scene at the beginning is so funny <laughs> as the accordion salesman. Like, he barely has the anything to do, but accordion yeah. salesman. But like so many little bits like that, that just just wonderful. Yeah, his parents, who's uh, yeah the. They're 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 racist against accordions and polka music and <laughs> yeah <laughs> and 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 strange little just internal like logics of like you know when he sneaks out sneaks out to go to the polka party it's like instead of, well just put it in a hay boy like it's a hay boy and it's just it's just it's a it's a, a hay scarecrow yeah. like made of hay there's no intention to make it look like a person it's just in the shape and then like oh his, his mom fell for it like. <laughs> these silly little things that don't make sense too that yeah. uh that just pepper in uh just great comedy uh, and it's too bad that a movie like that only you know this comes out in 21 22 that it's only real venue is streaming at the time that a lot of, and, and it's on roku it's not yeah. you know it's yeah. produced by funny or die and airs on roku and you know not everybody has that and it is free but i think it's just not on everybody's radar like the i'm gonna call it hbo max and the you know disney pluses and the hulus and netflixes and all you know apple tv like those are you know it's not on everyone's radar like those are so i think when i first heard about it i was like i don't know if i'm gonna be able to watch that like i really didn't know how roku i don't i don't use roku i didn't know how that worked so i thank david munchak for again uh forcing it to be seen well, yeah. Well, the, it was. This is definitely a tool to get people to download the Roku app so they can watch. Because yeah. they, because Roku bought out all the Quibi content too, so they're like, "Oh, look at all these originals!" And it's like Chris Hemsworth's in a Roku original. It's like, "Oh no, it's that like weird show he did for Quibi three years ago." <laughs> like yeah. uh, everyone loved Quibi. Sure. Oh, Quibi. I've been trying to like, oh, if something's only going to take ten minutes. Like, hey, how long till that's done? Be like, ah, oh, like one Quibi. Like, I think like that. <laughs> I've been trying to like remember to do that, and as a measurement of time, and I keep forgetting. And a little, and, little late, and, and it's so far now. You're not gonna so save far gone. Like, yeah, like, yeah. It's like it's not gonna. It's not gonna catch on. But uh, yeah, it'll be something watching, new. It's like watching something on freebie. Like it's just hard. You yeah. know. Yeah. Yeah. So. I think oh I no I think I actually watched UHF on Freebie didn't it isn't that where it is I think I think it's it on is, there yeah. I don't own it yeah. yeah yeah it's on Tubi and Freebie like there's a bunch of these I think I it's on Pluto it TV so basically there's... you are not paying for UHF no it's it is available in a lot of places but, yeah but like the only time I ever opened Freebie is we watched uh, Jury Duty and then I like so then oh, it, yeah. it's at least around somewhere and I'm like yeah. oh yeah Freebie sure like circling way back to UHF <laughs> I'm sorry <laughs> that's okay. <laughs> let's take a look at how it didn't do at the box office is box office non-glory it has a little bit box office agony yeah box office (laughs) agony 
UHF is released on July 21st, 1989. It had a $5 million budget. It does not even crack the top 13 its own opening weekend. Ooh. Yeah, it uh, tops uh, the top three uh, that weekend were Lethal Weapon 2, Batman, and When Harry Met Sally. Um, it doesn't even end up in the top. All I saw was a top 86 of 1989. It doesn't even crack that <laughs> with a total oh run God. of $6.1 million. So oh. 89 was topped by, uh, like we already mentioned, Batman, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade and Lethal Weapon 2. But what, Brent, you said you had a list. What was? What are some of the other 89, uh, summer of 89 movies? Again, dig that episode out of our archives. It's a good one. Uh, yeah, Rain Man came out. Uh, I don't know. I don't know that whole, how that holds up, but I still like it. And I remember it was great back in the day. Uh, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, Ghostbusters 2 that we talked about, The Little Mermaid, Born on Fourth of July. Bunch of stuff came out that year. Obviously, uh, Last Crusade being the top, I think, for the for the year. But uh, lots of other stuff happening uh, that year. Turner and Hooch. Don't, for, don't you dare forget oh, that. Don't uh, sleep dude, on Hooch. I, I didn't. I didn't print out the top fifty. I just uh, giving you top ten, man. Weekend at Bernie's, Dead Poets Society, Star Trek Five, Ooh. Karate Ooh. Kid Three. I mean, Uncle Buck. They're all. They're all coming out. Parent. What, what about the Patrick Dempsey classic, Lover Boy? Oh, oh yeah, classic. Can't he's like a pizza man. That. He is a pizza man, he's a, but he's yeah. also a lover, lover boy. <laughs> <laughs> I've never seen it, but I've heard good things. You haven't. I've never seen it. Oh man! Oh, yeah. it's a must. You're yeah. missing out. Firing up the freebie tonight. <laughs> Firing up some freebie. Get yourself some pizza. Watch some Lover Boy. Then can't buy me love. Yeah, that's a great double feature right there. Oh boy. Oh, okay, I'm in. So oh, so UHF. It <laughs> uh, you know while it clearly does no business in the theaters, I think it did end up doing some business in home video and. You know, Joe, like you were mentioning, you saw it probably, I'm guessing, Comedy Central or one of those, you know, yeah. one of the TBS or something. Um, so I think it got some attention there. Weird Al obviously survived that disaster and continued to, you know, I don't think he ever maybe ever got back to the peak fame that he had in the 80s, but he was always around. He kept, you know, releasing every couple of years, he'd drop either another album or a couple of songs or, you know, videos that were always uh, popular. You know, Michael Jackson was a popular one for him to continue spoofing. He felt like he physically like kind of looked like him and had the same kind of mannerisms that he could get down. So that was like an easy one for him, but, and he's still, you know, and he's still around and I think, uh, you know, definitely recommend the weird owl movie for sure. And why not make it a double feature and watch UHF? Yes. Why not? Damn right. It's Damn there. Right. It's all there. It's free on Roku and maybe even Freebie. <laughs> and Weird Al needs to come up with a new album. His actual, actually, his last album was 2014. He's Ooh. way oh, yeah. overdue for an album. Yeah. Yeah, huh. definitely. Shit. I, I, I didn't I, realize it'd been that long. I wonder what yeah. he will do. I don't know. I mean, the last album was super popular yeah he made like so. a music video for each one of those tracks i believe yeah that uh mandatory fun album yeah they were really yeah. good yeah 
Well, and UHF may not may not hold up all the way as like as as a movie, but it's a fun watch. And if you're a fan of Weird Al and you missed it, I would I would say check it out for sure. Yeah. Oh, we didn't even mention David Proval. I don't want to. Oh my get... God, Richie April from the. Oh Sopranos? my God! I oh. feel like every time I'm on, I try to get the Sopranos oh, right. talk going. My oh. favorite, my favorite single season Sopranos character. Yeah, Richie April. Richie April is one of the best, and David Proval is another actor who pops up in, you know, random movies like the Brady Bunch movie, and obviously <laughs> in Mean Streets and. Uh, uh, I actually worked with him, and he's a super nice guy. Oh yeah, and, yeah, yeah. That's and <laughs> but uh, I'll t- I'll tell my quick story. So I'm, this is my first job in in L.A. and I was a PA, and I'm walking him from his, and I just it was this was between seasons three and four of Sopranos, so a couple of years past his run on it. Oh, right uh, when John's in the thick of his passionate love <laughs> for the Sopranos. Absolutely, yeah. How many times did we watch seasons one through three, Brent? Like seven. I can't even more than I have fingers and toes. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, I'm walking him from his trailer to set, and I was just I'm like, "These are people like I will geek out over the David Provals of of the world." Yeah. Um. So I'm like, I just want to say I'm a big fan. I think you're ma- amazing. Mean Street Sopranos, and he like smacks me on the arm, stops me. He's like, "You haven't seen Mean Streets." <laughs> Like, <laughs> you're like excuse me it's sir like, i have i like i went to film school i wrote a paper on it he's like get out of here you're too young to have seen mean streets i'm like they have these things called laser discs no <laughs> but uh, so then we kind of were, were chatting about it and and he then i was like in with him for you know we were, we were nice. buddies and the character he was playing was similar to richie april like not quite as violent but He's um, the scene he's doing. He's like in an argument with his his son, played by the great Jason Gedrick, and <laughs> um, and I happen to be in David's eyeline as he's got that Richie April like fiery look, and he makes eye contact with me, and I almost I did pee my pants and I <laughs> blushed. You ran blushed. out of the stage and I threw away my Hollywood career right there. <laughs> he scared was- me that much. This was like a Skippy peanut butter commercial. <laughs> this was, yeah, yeah. Okay, that's where Amazing. Gedrick was at that time. <laughs> that's, yeah. Yeah. Oh um, my god, that's yeah, wonderful. That's my David Proval story. <laughs> that's but yeah, he's 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 fun in this one. Yeah. I I um, felt bad that we had somehow let all this time go by, and I was like, oh wait a second, we I forgot to mention Richie April, the yeah. greatest. Yeah, got to get our uh, our Proval talk in. Veal Parmesan sandwich. <laughs> We're going to, at some point, I'm going to do a Sopranos podcast where we're going to go episode by episode and you're all oh. invited. Oh, oh, we talk about it a lot. Yeah. Dave, um, how much of uh, Sopranos have you seen? Have you ever, did you ever watch uh-oh. the Sopranos then? All of season all- two, uh, half of season one. And oh. I think a one or two. You know, they, the they go in sequential orders. So <laughs> you could watch. <laughs> Who knew? Yeah. If you start at the beginning, it makes a lot of sense. This has become a problematic conversation between David and I that... Oh, I've laid the pressure. Not interested. Hard. I know. Not interested. I know that Munchak was never a gangster movie show th- guy, so I didn't yeah. know if that had ever come around. But yeah, the the, the Joe uh, and John, we've been in the same room talking about the same sort of. <laughs> <laughs> this conversation's come up before, <laughs> and will again. And will <laughs> until I until die. David like, yeah. caves and watches the whole thing. I can't see that happening. <laughs>
Oh my god. We're yeah. just gonna have to clock That's where Orange's ass and just strap him down. And... <laughs> You're gonna find out about Ralph Zifferetto. You're going to whether you want two to or is not. pretty good. I like I... that. Exactly. Alright. Oh. This is gonna I'm gonna be pussy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Alright, well Guys, uh let's wrap this up. I've got a flash mob to get to. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, so uh quick uh Shout out and thank you to our friends EK Wimmer for the theme music, Curtis Moore for the poster. You can check us out where Reconsideration Podcast on Instagram and Twitter and check out our archives at reconsideration.com and don't forget to give us a rating and a review. It really uh, really mean a lot to us and we'd appreciate it. Um, Joe, what do you have coming up on uh, It Happened One Year? What's next? Oh man, we're we're in the hiatus right now. Uh, you know, Sarah's on strike, so we gotta I gotta Uh-oh. wait till she comes back around for season yeah. three. But uh, yeah, we're we're gearing up. Uh, the hundredth episode just came out a little bit ago. Uh, John and Dave got to come sit in. Brent, I missed you again, but uh, we're gonna get you. In. Yeah, season three, we're gonna get schedules. You. It's it's yeah. tricky. But the uh, yeah, the hundredth episode was our longest episode by by hours. So that's something if you want to go check that out. Um, by yes, hours, yeah, it was uh, real epic. Uh, and then, but yeah, season three should be out. I'm gonna guess the first episode's probably the end of the summer, late July, early August, something like that. Nice, awesome, great, exciting stuff. Check that out anywhere you get your podcast. It happened one year. And um, Joe, thank you again for joining us. It is. It is an absolute pleasure every time you're able to, you know, get a, a little break in your schedule to come talk our crazy movies with us. Oh, thanks for having me. It's 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 a blast. This is this is the most fun I have, just on a daily basis. Why? <laughs> Three or four times a year. <laughs> you're not using freebie enough. I don't know. I, I, you know, <laughs> clearly. Now they that got I've a got whole the library. <laughs> Quibi episodes that you can check out. Do you know how much Quibi content there is? <laughs> Quibi. I did watch that whole Chris Hemsworth thing. Oh, is it, is it any good? I watched it on Quibi. Is it back in the oh, day? You subscribed. <laughs> well, I we found really. the one I got viewer. It, I got it. I got it for free, and ah. so that was the one thing that I watched. And then I was like, Yeah, I'm good. Uh, it's not that good. So don't. <laughs> no, don't go, it go sucks. Around. Every. I mean, you, why would you it not sucks. just watch the whole fucking thing? No, the Chris Hemsworth thing is good. Oh, okay. But the fact that Quibi cuts it. And every 10 minutes, you got to go through the credits and go through That was the part that was lame. Like, you know, because all they're doing is taking a 90-minute movie and cutting it up into 10-minute chunks. And then they're capping it with credits and title cards and all. And it's like, dude, so every 10 minutes, I got to watch this again? Nah, mm-hmm. I'm out. Yeah. Yeah. That's tough. Well, yeah. anyway, I'm going gonna, gonna to go check it out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Watch it on preview. All right. Well, sponsored by Freebie. I'm sure they cut it all. I'm sure they cut it all together. Yeah, Freebie, give us a call. We need some sponsors. <laughs> well, on. we've had a a super fun run on our sizzling summer of sensational cinematic shenanigans, and we're we're almost done. We've only got one more entry left to go, and it's going to be another doozy. Uh, we are going to look back at the career of the late great Treat Williams with his classic, Dead Heat. Stay tuned. The Piscopo Treat classic, Dead Heat. So stay tuned for that. It's going to be a lot of fun. We're going to have another special guest on. And uh, thank you guys for listening. We're, we're 
had a fun time talking about Weird Al and UHF. And we will see you guys next time on Reconsinimation. Take care. Bye now. Did you guys hear that? My computer? Yeah. What oh. happened? Okay. No. Oh, never mind. My computer just started talking to me. Um, <laughs> Siri? Siri? Hello? Yeah. She's like, I didn't get that. Can you repeat it? Oh, because you said series of spoofs. So Siri yeah. perked up. Yeah. yeah that's she, funny. she was just like, we'll be, we'll be accepting no criticism of UHF, John. <laughs> and then ends oh, the no. podcast. Over. <laughs> Shuts it all down. Delete. <laughs> It's amazing that we can make a six and a half, seven page note session from John fit into 90 minutes, but a three and a half page note session, two hours. Two hours. <laughs>